All right, let's take our Bibles tonight, and we're going to turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 10. Luke chapter 10, if you would, please. And uh, we're going to read several verses here, a familiar passage, a familiar story, no doubt, to many or most of us, probably, but I want to just bring out some things that the Lord's been kind of just had on my heart lately and, and some things that I've been considering and praying about. So if you're in Luke chapter 10, if you would please stand with me for the reading of the scripture, if you're able to. If you're not able to stand, of course, that's just fine. But Luke chapter number 10, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 25. And it says here, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, that's Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, just to be clear, when you read in the New Testament about a lawyer, we're not talking about an attorney that would go to the court and, and argue on behalf of someone as a you know, criminal defense or that kind of thing necessarily, but it was someone who was studied in the law of Moses, and as that would have pertained to the Jewish people. And so he was, this was a, a religious scholar, is who it was, and, and notice that he stood up tempting him. He's trying to caused Jesus to stumble. He's trying to get him entangled in his words. And this is, this is what he said, what should, uh, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, he said unto him, What is written in the law, how readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest by that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him. And bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight as we look into your word, I have two requests. Lord, I ask first of all that we would see in your word the wonder and glory and majesty of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and who He is, and all that He has done for us. And Father, may we be challenged tonight and convicted that we would become more Christ-like 
in our dealings with one another as well as with the loss of this world around us. May we learn, Father, to love as you have loved and to serve as Christ has served. Lord, bless in this service, I pray. Speak to us through your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. This is a, a story, a parable, if you will, that Jesus told uh, that is familiar to many. And while many don't necessarily know out in the world, maybe don't know all the details of the story, if you were to say to someone, oh, you're a, you're a good Samaritan, they would understand what that means. It's become kind of a, a, a cultural phrase that we know and understand. And that, that phrase comes from the account that Jesus told here of this Samaritan uh, man who came and helped this man who had been uh, robbed and beaten and left for dead. And we, as, we, as we read there in, in Luke 10, the early part of the passage that we read, he told this story to a man who was a very religious, as I said, religious man, religious scholar, and he told it to him to deal with an issue that went beyond just uh, his knowledge, and it went to the heart of the issue. It really went and addressed his life and, and the practice of his life, and and this man had asked the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus turned and asked him, what, what do you think? What do you see in the scriptures as you read them? And he, of course, then mentioned what we know are the two greatest commandments that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. And then the second, of course, that Jesus said is like unto that, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, this man, I think probably like most, had an assumption in his mind that because he was well studied and, and very religious, he thought that the first part of that commandment to love God, he felt like he had that one covered. A lot of people think that, you know, oh, I'm religious, I go to church, I, I read the Bible, I know a lot of things, therefore, okay, I can go ahead and check that box. We fail to realize that one of the hardest things that we can do in life is really to love God with all that we are. Our sin nature just keeps pulling us away and, and we, we long for and, and just naturally love things of the world and love ourselves and our own lives more than, more than God. And I, I think, you know, I, I've been saved a long time and the Lord's done a great work of grace in my life and, and I praise the Lord for that, but I still struggle every day and I talk to the Lord about it every day. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't love you as I ought to love you. And I want to love you more. And we even sing songs about that. More love to thee, O Christ. Because we recognize, those of us who are saved, that we don't love God as we ought. But a lot of people maybe don't fully understand that. They don't grasp that. And so then the Lord gives this really lesser commandment. It's the second commandment that's like unto the first. And that is to love thy neighbor as thyself. Now as we really consider that, it's a little bit easier for us to recognize that we really don't love others as much as we love ourselves. Because we see that on a daily basis. You know, I have an easy time forgiving myself. When I make a mistake or mess up, it's easy for me to just say, well, you know, I'm human and, and I messed up and, and I can move on from that. But when someone else wrongs me, I have a hard time forgiving, don't I? Or, you know, I wake up in the morning and the first thought that comes to my mind is I need to, you know, eat something, I'm hungry, I want my coffee, I need to take a shower and care for my body, I need to, whatever it is, I'm thinking of myself. Those are the first natural inclinations of my day. 
as I'm sure most of you would admit the same. But we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And it's easier to recognize that we maybe don't love others quite as much as we ought to. And so this man, this lawyer, it says in verse number uh, 29, but he willing to justify himself. Isn't it interesting how quick we are to justify ourselves and to try and come up with an excuse? He asks this question, and who is my neighbor? In other words, he's saying, essentially, he's looking for Jesus to say, you know, well, that your neighbor is whoever you think he is. <laughs> you you kind of come up with a list of people that you think might, you, you should be kind to and loving to, and this guy might say, well, my, my wife and my children and, and my family, but the, the people who live nearest to me, those would be my neighbors. But Jesus doesn't let him off the hook and doesn't allow him to justify himself, and, and he tells him this story, this this, I call it a parable, but the Bible doesn't say it's specifically a parable. It could have been a, a true story, a, an actual event that happened. And, and Jesus describes this, that there was a man that was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. And, and often what would happen along the way, if you were walking a road between cities, uh, you might be out there all by yourself. And people that were uh, maybe criminals and that kind of thing would, would hide themselves and and ambush people along the way and robbed them, and this had happened to this man, and, and they, he, they robbed him, and they beat him, and they left him for dead. And he, he talks about these two men that came and passed by, the first two that came by, and the first one was a priest. Now, a priest, obviously, was, was a religious man, one who was, was faithful in, in the law. He was, he was busy about the work of the Lord there. But as he walked past this man who was... Uh, beaten and dying alongside of the road for whatever reason when he saw him he decided instead of walking over him because that would be cold and heartless he was going to just cross over to the other side of the road and walk on by as though he had never seen the problem in the first place in fact I, I kind of get the idea that maybe this guy you know for the first few minutes as he walked by was pricked in his heart and his conscience and thought I really should go back there and help that guy, or someone needs to. But, but as time went on, he probably thought, well, I'm busy. I need to go on my way and get to where I'm going. I've got other things to do. Someone else is going to stop and help this guy along the way. And both the priest and the Levite, these who were tasked with serving in the house of the Lord, thought that it was someone else's problem, that, that it was either maybe this man, and I, I don't know what they may, may have thought in their own heart. I'm just surmising here, but... Maybe they're walking down the road and thinking, well, I don't know what that guy did to deserve that, but I'm sure that he probably did something. You know, maybe he was beaten because he stole something. Or maybe he was, he was beaten because he'd been unfaithful. Or, or, or maybe something happened to him. Or at the very least, maybe they thought, you know, if, if he wouldn't have been walking alone all by himself, that wouldn't have happened to him. It's really not my fault. It's really not my problem that this guy's laying there on the side of the road half dead. And so I'm going to go on about my way and believe that somebody else is going to come along and help this guy. How easy would it be for, for us, and, and maybe you're not guilty of this, but I know I have been at times, to think, you know, there's someone who's in need and I can even see the need. And I even have the means to meet the need, but it's inconvenient, it's not ideal at this time, at this moment, to try and minister to this person in their time of need. But I'm sure that someone else along the way is going to reach out to this person and help them. I personally have known several people 
who got saved later in life and, and, and as they reflected back on their past, they could remember people that they knew growing up, people in their, their neighborhood or in their school or even in their family who were saved and serving the Lord, but none of them bothered to take the time to sit down and go through the gospel with them and, and tell them how they could be saved. And there's just kind of this natural inclination sometimes to think someone else will take care of that need. I think it's sad. I've been in, in places, and, and I've heard others talk about this as well, where you go uh, and talk to people in a neighborhood, and, and I've been in places where I'm preaching at a particular church, and, and I've gone up to, to people in that neighborhood, I mean, within a block or two of the church, and, and just talk to them a little bit, and, hey, I'm visiting this church this week, I'm preaching, I'd like to invite you out, and they don't even know that the church is there, they don't even know it exists. No one from there has ever been to them and, and, and reached out to them. and done. I mean, it's just a sad thing, but sometimes we think that, that someone else is going to meet the need. And that's apparently what the, the Levite and the, Samaria and the priest did. They thought it wasn't their problem. They couldn't be bothered to help. And they probably, much like this lawyer, felt justified in saying, I would minister to this guy if he was my neighbor or if he was my friend or my family member, but I don't even know that guy. And I don't know what caused him to be in the condition that he's in. And so I'm not even going to bother. I mean, if I go and help this guy, he's bleeding. I mean, what if I touch him if he's got a disease or, or something like that? I just don't want to deal with that right now. Someone else can worry about it. But then along comes this Samaritan. And if you're familiar again with the, the situation between the Jews and the Samaritans, the Samaritans were not well liked among the Jewish people. They were despised, they were hated. And, and Jesus talks to this lawyer, this self righteous man, and he says to him that there was this Samaritan that as he was coming, he came to the place where this man was laying on the side of the road. And, and notice in verse number 33, it says that when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The issue, the problem that was taking place was that the priest and the Levite, though they were religious, though they were outwardly righteous, they were very lacking in the area of compassion. They had no concern, no care for the man who was dying on the side of the road. They had no concern for his life, for his family, for his future, and they had no concern for his soul. He's just dying, and he's left there on the side of the road, and they had something else that was more important to them to do, and they walked on by. But this Samaritan man, this man who was despised himself, when he saw the need, he had compassion. It's interesting, as you study this, this story that Jesus told about this Samaritan man, I find so many parallels between this man and Christ himself. And we're not going to get into all those things right now. Some people believe that Jesus was talking about himself when he referenced this Samaritan. I don't believe he was talking about himself directly, but this man, this Samaritan man, certainly did some things that were very similar to what Jesus does and did. And so this here, here's this man, and, and, and Jesus is talking about him, this Samaritan man who had compassion. And certainly... If we were to describe Jesus 
with one word. I mean, there, there's no way that we could ever possibly come up with a single word to describe him. But the, if there was a word that defined the ministry, the life of Christ as he walked this earth, I think if you were to use the word compassion, it would certainly encompass a lot of the things that we saw Jesus do. He was a, a man, a, a God of compassion. When he came, he didn't come and, and dwell among the the, the righteous, and he didn't come and dwell among the powerful and the well-respected among society. No, his mission was among the, the publicans and sinners, the despised of the world. He blessed and forgave a woman who was caught in adultery. He healed and, and touched the lives of those who were handicapped, who were blind, lame, and deaf, and dumb, he reached out and cared for those who were troubled, who were possessed with, with demons and evil spirits. He, he, he comforted those who were grieving uh, the, the loss of, of loved ones. He, he uh, worked in the lives of widows and, and comforted parents in times of loss and, and reached out to them. And he even wept with those who wept. You see, Jesus didn't just go to the people who were in a good position in life. And that was one of the reasons he was so rejected by the world because everyone thought that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to be like every other king that they had ever known. He was going to, you know, rule and reign and he was going to uh, reject those who were outcasts and he was going to surround himself with people who were well favored and, and well respected and Jesus did just the opposite. He came and he, he dwelt among the lowly and his, his 12 most faithful disciples, the apostles, were primarily simple blue-collar men who themselves were not overly respected members of society. He was accused of being a friend of sinners, as if that was some kind of an insult to Jesus, that he was a friend of publicans and sinners. But hold your place here in Luke 10, if you would, and go back with me for just a moment to the book of Matthew. And chapter number 9, I want to read something to you here. Matthew 9, we're going to read the account of, of something that happened here that's actually recorded in three of the four Gospels. It's recorded in Matthew and Mark and in Luke, this situation, as he called one of his disciples, Levi or Matthew, and uh, in Matthew chapter 9... Look with me, verse number 9, it says, And as he passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in, his, in the house, that's Matthew's house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master? with publicans and sinners. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, listen to these words, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." So here these people are accusing him and looking down their nose on him because this man who claims to be the Christ, the Messiah, this man who has a following of all these people, and, and really their biggest problem with Jesus was that 
he took the, the people who, were, who had so much respect for the Pharisees and now they're following him and, and they didn't like that. They wanted to be the ones who had the notoriety and the respect and the, the followership. But they're, they're accusing him of, of essentially being a sinner because he's you know, guilty by association. If you, who hangs out with publicans and sinners and the, the outcasts of society? Well, it has to be someone who's like them because someone who's more respectable and, and, and a man of integrity would never associate himself with those kinds of people. And Jesus said something here that I'm sure had to shock them. Essentially, this is what he said. My mission, my ministry, and the very reason I came forth was to reach out to people like this. He said, they that be whole need not a physician. If someone's healthy, they don't need to go to the doctor. The people that need to go to the doctor are the people who are sick. The people who, who are in poor health, they need help. And then he said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The reason I came is I, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I want to be careful to understand that Jesus is not saying here he is not saying that there are some people who are righteous and therefore they don't need salvation and there are others who are sinners and need salvation. But here is what he's saying. There are certain people who recognize that they are sinners. They realize their need. They're, they're down and out and they're destitute and, and as they hit bottom in their life, they're able to look up and recognize that they need help. And those are the people that Jesus came for. Because everyone is a sinner in need of salvation, but sadly, many people don't realize it. Many people are self-righteous and are trusting in their own selves that they are righteous. And Jesus said, I didn't come specifically for them. Now, he died for their sins, just like he died for everyone's sins. He's the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, the Bible says in 1 John. But he came specifically to minister to those who were cast out, those who were despised, those who were rejected by the world, but recognized their need and their help. And Jesus had a ministry of compassion, loving those who were unlovable. That was his ministry. By the way, you and I are recipients of Jesus' compassion for unlovable people. Because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet even for a good man, some might even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You realize that Jesus loved you when you were not lovable? Jesus loved you when you, you didn't deserve his love? I didn't deserve his love? And and, and, and certainly he could have looked upon us and seen us as we are, just sinners, unclean, filthy rags, the very best that we can do. But no, he looked on us and he loved us and he gave himself for us in a time that we were unlovable. So this Samaritan had compassion. And then as we go back to Luke chapter 10, I want to show you that his compassion cost him something. There was a cost that came along with this compassion. Because in verse number 34 of Luke chapter 10, it says in, uh, this Samaritan had come to him, verse 33, verse 34, he, he went to him. He came to the place where this man was, was laying on the side of the road. And he was bloodied and he was beaten. And 
He's laying there half dead. And the Samaritan didn't, you know, take out his cell phone and call for help. <laughs> he didn't even wait there and hope that someone else would come by with, with the skills to, to maybe bind this guy up. But the first thing he did when he saw this guy in a time of need was he went to him. He went to him. I want you to notice that. There's, that's a, an important thing for us to recognize. This man, he didn't just come and see the need and hope that someone else was going to meet it, but he determined in his heart that he was going to meet the need, and he didn't stand there and wait and say, well, I'm not sure if the guy really wants help. I'm going to wait and see if he'll come to me. If he, if he reaches out or if he calls out for help, then I'll go and, and help him, but I'm just going to stand here and wait. He didn't do that. He saw a need, and he went to that need. He met that need. He, he pursued this man. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. This man went to him. He did what was necessary to save his life. Immediately there, initially, he bound up his wounds. He, he stopped the bleeding. He made sure that he was, he was okay and was able to travel. And then he, he got off of his own beast of burden, his own mule or donkey or whatever was carrying him down the road and he walked while this man rode on his animal, on his livestock there. He brings him to an inn. He pays for him to stay there in the inn. He takes his own money and he gives it to the, to the keeper of the inn to meet the needs of this person. He says, well, I, while I'm gone, you can use this, this money to care for his needs, and if it costs you more to care for his needs than what I gave you, when I come back, I'm paying for it. Put it on my tab. I want you to recognize that this Samaritan, he wasn't just being kind, he wasn't just being loving, he was being sacrificial. He gave of himself to meet the needs of a total stranger. And, and I, I think it's important for us to recognize this because sometimes we kind of disconnect in our mind the, the fact that in order to have a ministry of compassion like Jesus had, it's going to cost us something. There's some sacrifice involved. It's, it's not easy. It's going to be inconvenient at times. It's going to cost us some energy and, and some effort. And, and it could, could cause us some inconvenience, even potentially sometimes some embarrassment. It could cost us even financially in our own money. It could, I mean, it costs to be sacrificial and compassionate. It's costly. It's humbling. But folks, we ought to remember that one soul is worth more than the whole world. There's no reason that we, that we shouldn't love, that we shouldn't sacrifice this was unheard of. This, this was, when Jesus was explaining this to this man and to his disciples, this was such a foreign concept that someone would go out of their way to be a blessing to someone that they don't even know. Someone who was, who was rejected. Someone who, nobody, nobody liked them. 
Folks, let's just be real honest. There are some people in the world that it's easy to be nice to, it's easy to be kind to, it's easy to try and be a blessing to them, and there are others that's very difficult. There are some people that are easy to like, and then there are some people that are really not very likable at all. There are people that we can look at them and see potential. I look across the room here and I see a number of young people. And I want you to know with every one of you, I see potential. I, I believe that God can use you greatly in your lives. And I'm praying for you that he will. But sometimes I look at some people and I see the toll that sin has taken on their life. And, and I've seen how many times that they've failed. And, and in my own mind, I think, you know... They're never going to amount to anything. It's really not worth the effort. It's really not worth the sacrifice and the energy to try and pour into these people and invest in these people. But I want you to know that Jesus loves those people. And Jesus died for them. It's obvious to me, as we look around the world that's all around us, and even right here in our own town, our own neighborhood, there are so many people that are outcasts, and many of them by their own fault, by their own doing. There are people that are homeless and addicted and needy and many of them are probably dishonest and untrustworthy and, and, and it's easy to look at people sometimes and think, you know, they're just their trouble, they're a nuisance. But, but I just want you to know that that's not how God looks at those people. When he sees them, he has compassion love and he loves them so much that he was willing to sacrifice himself for them John chapter 4 Jesus went and he met with a Samaritan woman again this was unheard of for the Jews he begins to talk to that woman and, and her first response to him is why are you talking to me <laughs> You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, you're a man, I'm a woman, and I'm not even liked among my own people. That's why I'm at the well in the middle of the day, because I don't want to have to face the other women early in the morning. She couldn't believe that Jesus would care about her. And then the Bible tells us that when the disciples came back from being in town and buying food, that they marveled that he spoke with the woman. They just couldn't believe it. Why, why would Jesus care about her? It's costly to love people and to care for people. But I want you to notice here in Luke chapter 10, at verse number 36, Jesus asked the question now to this lawyer. He says, which now of these three, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said unto him, he that showed mercy on him. In other words, 
now the, the lawyer has learned that the, the person who is my neighbor, it, it's, not, it's not the person who lives next door to me. And it's not someone who's just kind of happens to be in my circle of influence in my life. It's the person that I willingly choose to give of myself to go and reach out to them. That's my neighbor. And if the commandment is that I am to love my neighbor as myself, that means that I am to be going as the Samaritan when I am to be going and reaching out to people and being a blessing to people and helping people and sometimes doing so among people that are not easy to love. I'm to be going to them. And the last statement that Jesus makes here in verse number 37 is very simple and direct. Go and do thou likewise. We saw the Samaritan's compassion and the cost, but this is our commission. As Jesus said, it is your responsibility now. It's your job to be as that Samaritan was, to go to those who are downtrodden and outcast and unlovable and others, the, the, the people that others would walk right on by. You're to go to them and to do thou likewise. Do something to reach them and, and to care for them and to invest in their lives. That's how you can be a neighbor. Go and do thou likewise. I want you to go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, and Jesus here in verse 31 is, is, is talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and, and that coming kingdom. And he's, he's talking about a future day of judgment. Verse number 31 of Matthew 25, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from the other, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen to this. For I was in hunger... And he gave me meat. I was thirsty and he gave me drink. I was a stranger and he took me in. Naked and he clothed me. I was sick and he visited me. I was in prison and he came to me, unto me. And then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the greatest of these, my brethren. Is that what he said? No, he said, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Do you know what Jesus is saying? You serve him by serving others. Now, if any of us today were in some kind of a situation, it'd be a strange situation to say the least, but where we saw the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth in his bodily form, I mean, present with us bodily, bodily visibly in our presence, and he had a need. 
and he was hungry or he was thirsty, I think every one of us would do anything in our power to try and make sure that the Lord Jesus Christ had whatever he needed, whatever he wanted, wouldn't we? But what Jesus is saying is if you do it to me, you ought to do it to someone else. And if you want to serve me, you can do so by serving others. So the next time that you see someone on the side of the road with a sign begging for money, you just need to remember, I can serve the Lord by serving them. Now, I'm not saying that you ought to just go and empty your wallet and give it to them. That may not be the best thing for them. It may not be what they need. I'm just saying we serve God by serving others, and sometimes it's so easy to pass on and and, and, and just like the, the priest and the Levite, to cross over the other side of the road and say, I don't want to get involved in that mess. But Jesus said, if you, in the same way you, you've done it unto the least of them, you've done it unto me. We're commanded to go and do thou likewise, Jesus said. 1 Peter 2 and verse 21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. John 20 and verse 21, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. You see, we're to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus and follow his example. And he was a friend to the friendless and a father to the fatherless. And he loved the unlovable. And folks, I just want to challenge us tonight to seek to have a ministry of compassion. To ask that the Lord would give us a heart to love people like he loves people. To never be so selfish and consumed with ourselves and the things of this world that we forget that Jesus reached out to those who no one else would. Folks, my, my prayer, my desire for myself and for this church is that we would exalt the Lord Jesus and that we would be like him in our, our actions, our, our, our attitudes toward one another, but also in the world. There is a needy, needy world outside of these doors. And I'm as guilty as anyone else. I'm not trying to point fingers at anyone. But it's easy to overlook and kind of roll our eyes sometimes at people and just ignore someone who's laying on the side of the road, beaten up, maybe not by thieves, but by sin, by their own poor choices sometimes. It's easy to look beyond them and say, you know, I don't really care. But I believe that Jesus would have us to care. And to be willing to sacrifice to reach him. And understand that there is no one, there is no one that is too far gone that God can't save him. We are recipients, as I said, of Jesus' compassion that he 
demonstrated his love. He commendeth his love toward us through his sacrifice when we were not worthy of being loved, but we were sinners. We're, we have freely received. We ought to freely give. We ought to freely give. Let's pray.